It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Welcome to Time Enough Podcast. It's where we dive into episodes of the Twilight Zone and beyond. This is Matt here. Joining me today from Mission Log is Charlene Schmidt. Hi, Char. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's a, like I often say, I, I want that kind of a conversation and uh, all the Mission Lockers are pretty happy to come and make it happen here. So <laughs> <laughs> happy to help. Yes. Uh, what we're looking at today is an episode called The Prime Mover. So uh, I will go ahead and do a bit of trivia on that one. Uh, the original air date here was March 24th, 1961. Script is by Charles Beaumont, though it comes from an uncredited story by George Clayton Johnson, who also writes episodes for a Twilight Zone. So I'm guessing lawyers have something to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this episode was directed by Richard L. Bear. Besides his prolific directing credits in The Twilight Zone, he also helmed most of the series Green Acres, which doesn't really feel like The Twilight Zone most of the time. But <laughs> no, no, those are very different shows, but good on him. Speaking of another very different show, Jimbo Cobb was played by Buddy Ebsen. Uh, throw in some white dye in his hair and a mustache, and you've got Jed Clampett from the Beverly Hillbillies. So. Oh, no kidding. That's him. <laughs> That's him. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's a mind blower. Yeah, it's amazing what a mustache will do. You can see it in his eyes, though. And also, he comes across as too smart in this episode, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's the quiet type. Those are the ones you have to look out for. That's right. Dane Clark was Ace Larson with his average man features. He was often second, third, fourth build in Warner Brother war films like Destination Tokyo and Action in the North Atlantic. Uh, Christine White was Kitty Cavanaugh. While she only has a few professional credits, one of those will be a notable return to the zone in Nightmare at 20,000 feet. Ooh. Yeah, I think she... I I've heard that's a good wife. one. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's one of our Shatner ones. <laughs> okay, okay. That's why that name is vaguely familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sheila is played by Jane Burgess, but that's about all the info I could muster for her. But she's in this episode enough. I can't like just ignore her. So there's there's no. a name. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The crash scene we see near the beginning uh, repurposes video from the 1958 film Nightmare Alley, which I believe was remade earlier or last year. Uh, hmm. If, if you actually I, that that was funny because I went to see Nightmare Alley. Um, I guess it was March when it was playing in Japan, and I totally thought I was going to see Last Night in Soho. So I was kind of like slightly confused. I mean, both <laughs> movies are good, but uh, yeah, I just totally went in thinking I was going to be seeing a different movie. So, <laughs> well, at least your expectations were just shot right out of the gate, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I'll just throw it out and say, uh, do you have any first impressions? You want you want to give it on this one? 
I have a thought, but I'll, I'll maybe leave that for a second. Hmm. Okay. Well, very first thought when I saw the episode title, the prime mover coming from a 21st century context, I was thinking prime mover. That sounds like an Amazon promotion or something. Oh yeah. Amazon yeah, prime, you know, prime yeah. movers. You get your delivery in two hours or less, something like that. Okay. That anyway, <laughs> uh, overall impressions of the episode though. I liked it. It was fun to watch. It was entertaining. These actors do a fantastic job in their roles. But man, I do not want to really know any of these people except for Jimbo. Right. And um, that's, I guess that leads to my thought a little bit, which is um, I feel like this is how you have to do with great power comes great responsibility story when, when you don't know who Spider-Man is. <laughs> <laughs> like that's kind yeah. of the flow of this. Like he's got the power and he's, you know, ends up realizing he's, using in a stupid way and basically corrupting his friend who's uh, easily corrupted to be fair, but. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, really who's doing the corrupting here? Like, I don't feel like, I feel like Jimbo is being used and abused hard by oh, Ace. Yeah. But he, to a certain extent, that's, I guess, where the, the great responsibility comes in. Right. So you have to sort of firewall yourself from being used that way if you have that kind of power. So this is true. I was waiting for a moment when Jimbo either would push back and say enough or toward the end where we know we're going to hit like the climax of the story. I thought this is where Jimbo's going to fail him in, on purpose. And it, that's not how it turned out, but close. I was really hoping that he would kind of be the moral center of the story. And that didn't completely come through. Well, yeah, I mean, Ace came very close to having one season in Vegas and, uh, you know, rolling the rolls. He's very close to having Joe Pesci and Ray Liotta come and remove all of his teeth, you know? <laughs> Something like right. that. Yeah, with his boys. Now, I, of course, we're seeing, like, weird fake Vegas, uh, you know, recreated in, like, North Hollywood or whatever here. So, um, <laughs> but it's kind of weird. We, we had the same problem when we did the uh, episode The Fever, which I think features the same slot machine, though it was talking and walking in The Fever and murdering people. Oh. But uh, that was cool. Here's just a slot machine. But, um, yeah, there's a weird disconnect between, like, our thoughts of what Vegas used to be, what it is now, and what we're seeing on this episode's budget so <laughs> <laughs> the three-edged sword right there yeah I, I think the last episode in vegas maybe like um made a bit of a bum move by focusing on slot machines because it was difficult to get those in california in 1960 so they really had to like there was some weird roundabout way they had to do it and here they focus on the card game so i think it looks a little more legit um you've spent uh -huh. a lot I think you've been in Vegas a lot more than I have. So uh, any any thoughts on that? <laughs> Not a ton. And actually that raised a question was like, where do you, I, I didn't know and I didn't take the time to look up, but apparently gambling was legal in Vegas in the 1960s, but apparently maybe in California, it was not. That's, That's right. That's my assumption. So even with the prop machines, apparently there was some kind of issue with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that happening entirely. Like they had yeah. like props made that were not functional, so they could not be used for gambling or, or something right. like that. Um, <laughs> now, as for Vegas, I have gone to Star Trek Las Vegas a few times, but that's a fairly limited experience. Like I've never really gone to just like be in the city and see the sights and walk up and down the strip. Like I, that is not 
my style. I really don't like Vegas very much. <laughs> I'm not a gambler. It's not my kind of town. So when I go, I go straight to the hotel, wherever the convention is. It's usually the Rio. And I stay there until it's time to leave. So that's what I see of Vegas. Okay. I've, I've only had one night in Vegas in my life, which I, I think I also explained in that Fever episode. But uh, basically, I did, got bored gambling within five minutes and decided to spend the rest of my um, gambling money on martinis. But my whole... Oh, that's much better. Yeah. And then my purpose for being in Vegas, there was no convention, but it was 2003 and Star Trek The Experience was still there. So that was oh, actually... Uh -huh. That was actually my main reason for being, because we could have gone south through L.A. And I was like, um, we were going from, what was it, uh, San Francisco to uh, Prescott, Arizona. Uh, Prescott, Arizona. Oh, okay, okay. So it was like we could dive down through L.A. or take a north edge through Vegas. And I was like, I want to go to Star Trek The Experience. So we did the north path. <laughs> nice. So you got so, to go. You're so lucky. Right, right. Then I didn't do the, uh, the Voyager, the Borg one later. It was still the classic Klingon one but hey that's what I wanted anyway so <laughs> nice I was unfortunately way too poor in college to go to Star Trek the experience when it was active never got to go I think it, I regret that a, now I think this was a hemorrhaging money sort of trip anyway so <laughs> might as well then right yeah yeah um but so the thing that did kind of fit I guess with you know I'm from the redneck deep south so some of my first jobs were teaching environmental education, like out in the boonies of like South Carolina or whatever. So, and um, okay. I do remember this is again around 2002. I was making the money for that trip, I guess. But uh, yeah, they would have gambling's not like straight up legal in South Carolina, I believe, but the convenience stores do have like a couple slot machines or like darts or whatever. So there's some kind of loophole. Oh, they they? Use. And, and I okay. did see, you know, like, rednecks like addicted to these machines a little bit like ace i guess uh, ace being at least a, a little cooler as he's not you know um falling over the seat morbidly obese that sort of thing but <laughs> sure but it did strike me that yeah he is a little addicted to gambling and i didn't know if it was just straight up addiction or if it was out of that desperation to hit the jackpot and have the money to get married to kitty and have a nice life yeah, it's like Kitty is definitely not into this from the start. So I, I'm like, what is the no. chemistry here? <laughs> and she's had her wages not paid for three months, right? <laughs> yeah, if he owes you three months' salary, it's way past time. To okay, pay. one, no, no, get a different job. And two, the sky. If you love him, I understand. Just but like, no, this is not working out. This is not <laughs> a good situation, sweetie. <laughs> you know, people can, can really get along and still be toxic for each other. So that's like, absolutely. They have the, um, Oh, everything's all groovy in the end or whatever the happy ending, but you're like, as usual with most movies or media, it's like, hey, what happens a month down the line? You know, you don't get to just throw in a, fa a fairy tale happy ever after, you know, for no, <laughs> I, I think they had a very long, but unhappy marriage, a couple of kids. It was dysfunctional. Nobody had a good time. And that was their life, the end. And he eventually lost his teeth to Joe Pesci, I guess. That, that's still, <laughs> I, I, it didn't happen this episode, but it's going to happen. That's, that's what the highlight of his life. <laughs> um, I did find it funny that they, they had to splice in the, the car accident, but I think it worked. <laughs> I, I didn't like I, I wasn't like, oh, I think what I saw it as like, it doesn't look like they filmed it for this, but, you know, it was it was. Okay. Yeah, but 
being what it was, it's that was fine. Like on a studio budget in that day, I mean, makes perfect sense. Go for it. So we don't get Spider-Man yet, but they do, I guess, um, predict Jean Grey from the X-Men a little bit as um, as Jimbo has his sort of telekinesis thing, which I guess, yeah, I guess 40s horror films would have things like that. So it's not necessarily something we would have first seen in the Twilight Zone, you know, like mentalists or something you would have seen in earlier movies. Um, sure. But it does seem like this guy's kind of a straight up, you know, Marvel comic style mutant. <laughs> <laughs> and I get the impression that he has intentionally turned it off for a long time so he can control it at will, which I found interesting. Yeah. And I, I do remember like in the early X-Men comics, it's sort of the same thing where um, it's like a lot physical exercise exertion excuse me i'll make up a new word there physical exertion <laughs> uh, like i think that's kind of cool because they make a big deal out of that in the early x-men comics uh that gene gray can you know only do so much before basically passing out or something and until they just decide yeah. to overpower and uh yeah <laughs> make her make her i was god. kind of wondering if that's where the story was going to head was was jimbo going to die from just overexerting himself and maybe Ace gets that million dollars, but at that cost. That would have been another, that would have been a much more depressing episode, of course. But uh, Very depressing, yes. But would but that, he have learned a lesson? <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been the great power, great responsibility one in that case. So Not I mean, that one, no. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, like you said, the only person you like here is Jimbo. And I kind of, I kind of feel like that's the main character. When I went was doing the trivia and went to Wiki, Buddy Ebsen's as Jimbo's listed second. I was like, I feel like he is. Kind of, I'm always the title character of the episode, but I feel like that's actually our more of our viewpoint. Um, you know, Ace is. We're we're just seeing his fever dream and his um, obsession more or less. We're actually we're we're right. getting actual character out of Jimbo. Jimbo's the actual hero here. Ace is not a likable guy. I don't want him to win. <laughs> Maybe he's um. Well, I, 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 of course, the character is nicer than that, but I, I guess he's kind of, I keep making a Spider-Man comparison. He'd be like, you know, Ned in the recent movies to uh, to Jimbo's uh, superhero. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. I just, yeah, I don't know. Ace, he's such a dick. I'm sorry. There's no <laughs> other better way to put it. <laughs> he doesn't treat anybody well. He's like using and abusing Kitty. As soon as he figures out that Jimbo has these powers, it's it, it's an immediate, oh, what can it do for me? Let's go to Vegas. We're going to get lots of money. And even when his friend has a freaking headache and just needs to sleep, he's like, no, 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 keep going, keep going. And I just wanted to slap him silly. Well, here, I'll put a bit of uh, a different writer's hat because you were mentioning what if he had just like killed himself from the exertion. And um, he's he's only flipping cards and dice, right? Uh, sure. Not, not that hard. But I, I wonder as a story point, if there had been, I don't know, just something horribly went wrong in Vegas, you know, like there's a do they have earthquakes there? I don't know. But like the wall starts. I think they're uncommon. Like it just there's like he actually has to have a superhero moment where he has to use his power to save a life or something and, and now he can no longer control the uh the dice Ooh, that could have been interesting yes yeah, or so like with the great power and great responsibility thing where if you have to do something that drastic that's basically like you can do that but at the expense of your own life 
yeah yeah something like that and then ace is you know it's a little more like oh i suddenly don't have this support anymore because we're talking jimbo's generally pretty cool but he is he is using a bit of duplicity as he never lost his power he's just saying he can't do it anymore basically he's so he is making a choice uh what i just suggested would be like some kind of event happening which so there's no choice so maybe it is good that jimbo has to make the choice to stop doing this maybe so because really he should have put his foot down a long time ago (laughs) but (laughs) yeah i i do wonder if yeah, maybe we could have had a much more like higher stakes kind of ending where say Jimbo does lose his powers and it's right at that moment where Ace is about to just absolutely win it all, but like they're not exactly in the same room as the boys. He has to come back and then <laughs> then it all goes straight to hell and maybe he's in some really hot water because he doesn't have all the money. Like maybe he's gone way too high for his stakes or something like that. And then he's going to lose it all and then some, and he'd be in hot water. That could be kind of fun, facing yeah. the mob. Yeah, I, th- I thought this was a fun crew of gangsters that show up uh, in, the, in the later scenes there. So <laughs> <laughs> I find it interesting that they don't eat. No, no. Well, the, Why not? The help doesn't eat, right? I, well, they do know, not. They just maybe, smoke all day, I guess. Maybe they're worried that uh, the food's poisoned. You know, I don't know how... <laughs> Maybe that's all the food they get is they have to test the food first before the kingpin gets it. I I I just winced a little bit when one of them said "code of honor," of course. So uh, Uh, right, track reference there. Uh, (laughs) That means a whole different thing to us. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. For Trekkies, those are some dangerous words to say. Um, (laughs) Yeah, they spark feelings. It's like a trigger. You know, I'm I'm thinking uh, the other big character here that we haven't talked about is just as horrible as ace is uh sheila who is the the (laughs) the trophy i mean yeah (laughs) yeah the trophy wife slash she's looking for a sugar daddy right exactly so um and she is one of the four stars here so i i don't know does i guess he just needs the the window dressing is is basically the 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 point of her and and then of course as soon as there's a problem you know she goes running in the other she jumps ship i found that hilarious because at first i thought oh these two deserve each other and it's going to end very badly for them but she does jump ship the moment things go not so great which okay yeah that 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 tracks and we yeah i think she's what's that oh i just saying we saw a very similar character a few weeks ago in a most unusual camera where um her men die and she's like well i got a pile of money Yeah, it was interesting how very quickly Ace pivoted. Kitty walks away finally, and good for her. Good for her. Finally, I was waiting for that, hoping for that. And then the first woman he sees, boom. Hey, how about you? How about you? I think, yeah, he's looking for something pretty to hang on to for a little bit, make himself feel good. And, eh. Of course, he's going for the the, the cigarette lady, right? Yeah, yeah. that's, That's like a... It's like a Manson move. I mean, that's what Charles Manson was doing in the 60s, finding people who looked a little bit like desperate or something and then using vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. So. um, So, okay, what are we saying about Ace right now? (laughs) That he's possibly somewhat unhinged. (laughs) Okay, so he could have been a serial killer if he'd done some LSD and lived out in Death Valley. Yeah, he is a master manipulator that has no end game or no purpose to his manipulations. 
So that's a really good point. Like, yeah, he has no end to this. His greed just keeps escalating. So he could have like a gangster posse if he he keeps playing this game, I guess, is, is my main thing. So it is nice that Ace at least is able to see enough to take a few steps back in the end, which is not always the case in the Twilight Zone. If we do have to give him a positive, he he recognizes it before things get, you know, completely go right. Exactly. So and um, somehow he gets Kitty to marry him. Oh, honey, why don't do it? She's got time to get uh, some cold feet still. <laughs> I sure hope so. Um, this is something you might. I, I, I know you're not as familiar with the episodes as the guy that's watching them sequentially every week in particular. But uh, <laughs> the music. No, unfortunately, here, I'm not. Yeah, the, the music stock, but it is used from last season's episode. Uh, the four of us are dying, which has kind of that jazzy stuff playing as he's going through a city streets. But I thought it was a nice repurposing here. So just for another Trek connection, that's Jerry Goldsmith's score being reused here, but not written for oh, the Oh, is episode, it? But, hey, cool. Yeah. Or at least some of the music is. So that, that jazzy theme is is right out of an episode he did the score for. So um, nice. I, I do find the creative, just how they have to creatively soundtrack in a, in a 1961 budget kind of interesting. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> did you catch the strings that were lifting the bed up? Oh, uh, maybe I didn't. Okay, I mean, on each them, side, I I saw them. <laughs> like, ah, that's cute. I mean, cheap special effects. They did what they could at the time. Not knocking it. I'm just observing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we did the episode a few weeks ago. The the invaders, fantastic episode, but has like the derpiest looking spaceman. Like it looks like you know a, a plush thing you get out of a claw machine or something so not, not <laughs> sorry not the toy story that makes it sound like the toy story one it's not, not that it's like a silver spacesuit but it, it's that level mm. of goofy looking so okay <laughs> <laughs> it was cheaply made and you can tell yeah 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 and it's 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 a weird thing for that particular episode because it's like everything about that episode's tense and serious and then there's just like this derpy looking spaceman who is <laughs> shooting at the woman and she's getting radiation burns and that's pretty creepy but uh yeah so, yeah wow anyway, i love it yeah after seeing that <laughs> uh, my point is after seeing that a few strings hanging from bed isn't like the worst thing <laughs> oh no and they did do their best to try and mask it i mean it's very subtle but it's there if you're mm -hmm. looking um, I'm going to get to the questions I, I generally ask of everyone in the, well, I always ask of everyone in these episodes, but uh, is there anything okay. else in, in your notes you want to throw out? Well, I do have a question to pose to you and the audience. Did Ace actually learn anything from all of this? That's, I guess that's what I was saying earlier. Like we, one month later, what, what are we going to see? He, he it at least just seems like he's trying to sweep it under the rug and go on as if none of it had ever happened. Yeah, he does get rid of the machine. Um, it's going to be he difficult does. to get rid of that again. Um, and it's good to get rid of that machine because as Twilight Zone fans know, it'll eventually chase you out of a window. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he um, dodged a bullet there. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess he made that step, but maybe he finds another machine next month or goes to the the right? diner down the way right so i don't know what happens the next time he goes to vegas yeah i guess the thing is kitty ends know. up hooking up with shatner which i don't know if it's better or worse but <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've seen clips of shatner on the twilight zone i'm not sure if that's a, a better choice for her 
fantastic <laughs> episode of Twilight Zone to be sure. But uh, yeah, yes, I, Shatner's I, amazing in it. <laughs> um, well, let's go ahead and get. Uh, did you have a? Sorry, I answered your question. Did you want to answer your question? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I think I have to lean more on the side of no overall. Like, yeah, he did make a couple of small changes, but really, I think if he could do it all over again with a different outcome, he would. So he's still like a core scumbag. Is is your take? Basically. Yeah, <laughs> he's still an opportunistic scumbag. Okay. Well, let's let's consider who exactly in this episode went into or through the twilight zone. Um, <laughs> I mean, we have Ace who did or didn't learn his lesson, but he is getting a weird trip, I guess. He's definitely on the biggest trip of all, I think. Because Jimbo knows about his powers. This is a new thing for Ace. So he's definitely like cliff diving into the twilight zone. Right, which sort of brings me to Jimbo because I guess he didn't go through the twilight zone because he's just where he always was exactly that's my thought too but this is him making his powers known because it's it seems like since he was eight years old or whatever he says he he's been keeping it to himself so he he is changing his life a little bit by outing himself i yeah i suppose so yeah i mean that's a small thing but is that going into the twilight zone yeah it's i Maybe he's like having a, you know, a philosophical thought with himself in the Twilight Zone. He's already in there anyway. Like he lives there. But uh... <laughs> at least that part of him does. Sure. I did like his like his little tell of I thought everybody could do this. And then I discovered that you can't. And so then I kind of stopped. Yeah. So he's always had that feeling probably of being a little different. Hmm. Which, I mean, that's uh, that's a universal thing. I'm sure there's something that most of us kind of can do that we're like, oh, other people can't do that. Um, I, I, I buy, uh, you know, I, or trade or whatever. Anyway, I, I like to flip guitars a lot. And I ha- I got one recently. It's a, it's the, have you ever heard of a dobro? And, um, oh, yes. You, you I know what a dobro it, is. You tune it open. And, you know, you play and use the, the metal slide you can put it in your lap. I'm like, it's so easy. Everyone can do this. And so far, no one else seems to be able to do it, I guess. <laughs> I <know. laughs> Most people don't know what a dobro is. Right, right. But so, I'm like, oh. it's like, I don't think it's a very common instrument, is it? Eh, not that common. But, uh, you know, it's yeah. like I'm just throwing in people's laps. Oh, it's, it's, there's nothing to this. Just you go and then play some blues riff or something. And then they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, to me, I, it, I can't compute. It doesn't. Yeah, there's so it's just little... all in here and it's really hard to explain. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, some things are just like that. And then that one just being like, I'm bringing that up because it's an instrument I had not previously touched, right? So, then it's real close to a guitar, but it's a little different. So, I'm like, oh, this, there's, this is like riding a bike, which I didn't learn to do till I was 26. So, <laughs> no kidding. Wow. Uh, I learned. Oh, what finally yes. prompted you to do it? Um, living in Japan and being single at the time. I need transportation. It's ah. a bike. I got a bus yes. driver's license when I was 21. So I learned to drive a bus before I learned to ride a bike. Wow. That's <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> so again, we all have these little fun facts. Um, my life in general, like, you know, it's, I guess, weird to some people, you know, I buggered off to Japan and never came back. Right. That's kind of a strange thing. Sure. I'm like, oh, that's what we do. Right. That's how life goes. So <laughs> I, <laughs> So it sounds silly when Jimbo says that at first, but then when you think about your own life, well, I have plenty. Everyone has all these bizarre quirks that seem perfectly normal to 
to ourselves, but would be kind right. of weird when airing them out. Uh, do, I don't have telekinesis, I believe, but um, or maybe I don't believe <laughs> hard enough. <laughs> just yeah, maybe out of practice. You got to practice. That's right. Practice. I've tried. Levitation. It just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've really tried the telekinesis, telepathy, all of that. I would love to be able to read minds sometimes. It's just never happened for me. <laughs> well, I, I was saying, you know, I teach so much that I, a lot of times I like, know, I'll ask a kid a question or whatever, and I know their answer before they say it. That's experience, of course, but it starts to feel sure. like mind reading sometimes, which is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just because, it, it, well, is it deja vu where, You've had this moment before and here it is again. It's more like probably the kid, because I'll usually make them ask me a question and ask it back. So they've probably one done it before. And I just kind of like in the back of my mind, remember, or just, you know, in Japan, a lot of kids like want to give the standard answer and you start to know what the standard answer is. Like, what's your favorite food? It's going to be sushi. It's very rare gotcha. you hear anyone say anything but sushi. So interesting. <laughs> that's like that's like the standard answer. So you know, you, you must you like sushi in Japan, huh? Yeah, basically. I, I've met a okay. few Japanese people that don't like sushi, but yeah, it's generally like my, actually my wife didn't like salmon, which is she'll eat it though. So I guess it's different. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I I shouldn't say anything. I'm super picky. <laughs> <laughs> We went to a restaurant yesterday and, and my wife's like telling the, the wait staff, oh, yeah, don't don't give them anything with broccoli or mushrooms because it's they, they just it's this French place. And I just kind of, you know, you just order the thing and you get what you get. So which is kind sure. of exciting. I like she was surprised. I like that place because that's I'm usually into like ramen or something. But yeah. Uh, oh, sure. Like, no, yeah. I like the I like the fact that I don't know what I'm going to get when I walk in the door. So because most restaurants I do. <laughs> Interesting. So it's a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, how much contact would you say Kitty has with the Twilight Zone? I think she dipped her toes, mm. but backed away. Okay, because I feel like that's Sheila, how I see it. I feel like Sheila never quite got it, you know. No, she's kind of like in her own other little world here. It's not the yeah. Twilight Zone; it's something else. I, I can't remember. Is she made aware that there's any that Jimbo has powers? I. Uh, I don't think she's completely privy to that no yeah so she's just having a weird run-in in vegas as you know what what happens in vegas stays in vegas yeah that sort of thing. she <laughs> almost got swept off her feet by a rich guy yeah yeah so i i think we could say she has no contact and kitty just observes that something strange is going on and then of course she's knowledgeable about the um uh, more of the details so but is not actively involved um right so i guess my next question is going to focus on on Jimbo and Ace, then, uh, do they deserve their trip through the Twilight Zone? <laughs> Ooh, that's a really tough one. I want to say Ace didn't deserve it, but he didn't really gain a whole lot. But so he also didn't him- learn a whole lot. So, <laughs> so you want him to I feel lose like this kind of cancels it all out. Okay. This is just a dead zero. So you, you need uh, something horrible to happen to him in the end to really. I make yeah, I work. really was hoping for that. You can call me a sadist if you want, but I really wanted Ace to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> and then poor Jimbo. I think all he really got out of it was headaches, exhaustion, and then yeah, zap, gone. And and he's got his his bit, you know, like Peter Parker light moment. So <laughs> right. So, so I mean. This- he kind of comes out of it unharmed in the long run, I guess. 
I wonder if he like actually, you know, the, again, the month later, maybe after a bit, Jimbo is like, hey, what could I actually do with this? You know, again, kind of presaging the whole the whole X-Men thing. The more I see that's weird. The more, the more I talk about this episode, I'm like, hey, this this more this is kind of like kind of a that kind of story just with no context yet, because that stuff doesn't exist yet. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to see the sequel to this where Jimbo learns how to rein in these powers and use them for powers of good and does not tell Ace. Jimbo yeah. moves on in life and is successful and has a good time. And then poor Ace is just going to run that little diner. Uh, what was it? The uh, Happy Days Cafe with Kitty forever. Yeah, yeah. Until he drops dead. Yeah, that's that's why I want to I want to retrofit this just with the one final scene where we have a uh, Professor Xavier rolling up. It could be like a 20-year-old Patrick Stewart. That'd be fun. Awesome, yes. <laughs> With hair, doing his James McAvoy <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. When you I see love that. Old photos of him, like, or, or even Dune, you're just like, what? <laughs> what what right? got hair? I'm confused. <laughs> I had to do a double take when I saw that. I did not know he was in that film. And the first time I watched it, just, oh, that's Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah, because I think that's the only, I mean, Famously, he showed up to Next Generation, like not unpacking his bags for two months because he was like, Hollywood's not going to have me. So, you know, right. that, it was just Dune, I think, pretty much that, and, you know, lots of stage Shakespearean acting, which is, you know, nothing to sneer at, but you don't see it on your TV so much. <laughs> no, no, you're going to the Globe Theater for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's put this on the tripometer. Zero is not trippy at all. Five is extremely trippy. Um, hmm. where do you want to throw this one? My, uh, my, mine changed a little bit during our conversation and I'll explain that, but I mean, oh, cool. do it first. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, I'm going to give it a two. It's a little trippy, but I think there's far more tripping to be done. <laughs> That's, that is where I started. I, I started off as two, but now that we've been talking, now that I'm like thinking of it as kind of like weird proto-mutant story i'm like willing to take it up to a three because i i spent most of my childhood reading x-men comics so <laughs> with that context i can understand yeah so so for most people yes i would say i i kind of agree with your two but i'm going to bump my own up for that reason because it hits a certain strain in my brain and that's a little bit trippy so there you go that's fair that's fair um i guess we'll wind this one down and unless, unless something wild came to your mind now, I think that just about does it. It was a fun thing to watch. It, it was a good episode. Just I really wanted Ace to to get his <laughs> his comeuppance. <laughs> well, you know, there are other episodes where people get that really raw. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll enjoy those more. Actually, the, um, I, I won't even say which episode it is, but I, I'd say the worst fate is probably a night gallery episode, which was a uh, Rod serling's follow-up series so uh, oh okay and there's there's one episode in there that um wow um for for anyone that knows uh and it was a female and you'll know exactly what i'm talking about but uh you don't that's fine but people that know that episode, man that that's the worst fate of anyone ever so okay <laughs> well i'm for... gonna have to seek that now <laughs> That's a <laughs> teaser for five years in the future, folks, I guess. <laughs> okay. I'm not big on like horror in that genre, really, but 
that I don't show- know. I'm just going to imagine this gruesome death being ace. That'll be cool. Okay. Yeah, sure. That, that sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Shara, you pop up. You're, you're, I, am, am I wrong to say you're kind of the, the mission log pinch hitter these days? <laughs> That's what that's my self-appointed title. I ran that by John. He has my I have his permission to use that. That is my official title now. But that is pretty much what I do is either for Mission Log Live and now for Mission Log Prodigy. If one of the regular co-hosts can't join in, they call on me and I'm I usually make sure that I'm available and ready. That's my mm-hmm. job. I, I almost called you in a pension for a different episode a few weeks ago, but uh, and then the schedule switched, and I, 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 yeah, it's like when you like prodigy when everything has to come out like on a schedule. Some I keep this right pretty far ahead. Like we're talking like a good month before this air. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're very good at your planning. You are organized. You are on top of it. But it's pretty hard to turn an episode around like when it comes out on one day of the week and then five days later you're releasing your own smaller window yeah and with prodigy it's like because yeah it's like you yeah exactly you can't do that at all <laughs> so. and i don't get access to the screeners so i don't even get any of that lead time <laughs> oh no um i know i need to figure out how to get those i need to talk to somebody i've been meaning to do that but do you have any anything of your own that you want to throw out into the plug cybersphere not terribly. Like these days I'm laying kind of low. I'm mostly on the mission log discord <laughs> with everybody. Um, I love doing that. I love talking with everybody there and we do all sorts of cool stuff. Like there's the twilight zone chats. There's mission log after dark. We talk about everything and not just sci-fi stuff. So that's kind of become my, my go-to place when I want to just hang out and chat with people on the internet. I don't have a Twitter account anymore. Um, I need to make website or website updates, so I'm not even going to tell you where my website is. You can find it if you search for me. <laughs> I'm on Mastodon. I mean, it, everything's kind of in flux right now, and I'm not necessarily regularly hosting anything in particular. Like I'm around, but I'm not, you know, doing a ton of stuff. You can occasionally catch me with Virtual TrekCon on Fridays doing Star Trek and Chill, where that is what we do. We pull, we bring up a drink and we talk about food and Star Trek and whatever else is going on in the world. That's what I've been up to. That's what I foresee myself doing in the near future by the time this gets out. So how about we leave it at that? Sure. Big step up from uh, Neelix and chill for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Oh, and you mentioned the, the Twilight Zone chat on the Mission Log Discord, which I should mention is is actually me chatting in the Mission Log Discord about the Twilight Zone. So it's not a it's not a rando connection there. So you can go. Oh, OK hang out there I, I i started that channel <laughs> so <laughs> that's right um, you did that, yeah so, that's all yours you took that and ran so you can uh you know go there uh for one place um and then we have our weird little podcasting empire thing going on in japan it's a, it's a small empire but that's on patreon at a uh, podcastio podcastius where we also talk about sci-fi films at Matt and Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. And there's some gamer stuff with Luke Loves Pokemon, the Monster Mash about Monster Hunter, and the Game Game Show, which is four British guys hurling insults at each other. So <laughs> nice. always, always a good time. I'll have to check okay. that out. That sounds fun. Okay, I'm, I'm going to see if I can move my mouse with my mind. Oh, yeah, there we go. It worked. Okay, great. You'll cool. Have to trust me. Too bad it was off camera. <laughs> Just have to trust me.
those on the path, remember the vow. Be aware and authentic to where you are now. Virile hides the marsh crocodile in veils of mystery. To float in gardens primal behind the moat. Highs across mountains, their snow melts fair. Blossoms in hanging gardens. Thank you. 